This is the Real Digital Transformation podcast series, empowering technology and business professionals to succeed with digital transformation. Now, here's your host, best-selling author Thomas Earl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Digital Transformation podcast series. I have with me today a senior strategy partner at Deloitte, Tim Botkey, who has written a book dedicated to the financial side of digital transformation initiatives. The book is titled Digital Transformation Payday, Navigate the Hype, Lower the Risks, Increase Return on Investments. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for the invitation, Thomas. So, Tim, before we get into some of the topics you cover in this book, and I think it is a very timely publication and a very important topic area to cover for many organizations that need to better understand the financial side of what they're getting into when they invest in digital transformations. Before we get into some of those areas, uh, tell us a bit more about how the book came to be. Actually, um, the book started, or the journey towards the book started in a, a client meeting, which I still remember very much in detail, where, where a long-term client of mine, a CEO, asked me a question, uh, which I couldn't answer, and I hate not being able to answer questions. And the question was simply, Tim, look, I'll, I'll stay in this job for two more years, and then I'm planning to move on. Um, I know we need to renovate most of our back office systems, half a billion or so uh, spending, a couple of years journey, very painful. Um, but what I could also do, I could just wear jeans and trainers and, and put digital a few times in our annual report and ask our, our investor relations team to, to make sure that it's seen and tell me really, what difference would it make in terms of value of my company and the value seen from the shareholders? Am I not better off digital washing my company in that short period of time? I will do the opposite, he told me. If you can prove to me that the big spending which needs to be done will make a huge difference in, in value. And then he said, you must have proof. And I said, oh, no, I don't. And that's then when I started digging and I I found that there is no one who really looked into that in detail. And then I did. And uh, a few years later, it was a longer research project. I then found some of the answers I was looking for. And he, he has moved on by now. But the good thing is he has the same issue, just a few times bigger. So we can still discuss the solution. Super. So the opening chapter of your book is titled The Bad and Good Reasons for your digital transformation. So a lot of the good reasons many are familiar with, they're hyped, they're marketed, they're the motivation for organizations to actually proceed with these types of initiatives. So I don't wanna ask about those because they've been well covered, but based on your research and insights, what are some of the bad reasons for proceeding with a digital transformation? I think what I mean with a bad reason is very simply, if you embark on this journey, and I think that's the single worst reason you can embark on this journey, just because you believe it needs to be done because you've been told by all the different stakeholders in the ecosystem, all with very good arguments and all the good reasons around you. 
but when you when you don't have a strategy underlying your journey designed to win as a company in the marketplace based on this digital journey and that's very often i see with clients and i'm sure you you've seen that in detail as well is when when people believe that technology will help them fix a non-existent strategy and when they believe that a out of the shelf technology will help them to win against competition when most other competitors use more or less the same off the shelf technology and when you don't find a unique combination of factors which are not only digital which are much more to actually get an advantage vis-a-vis -vis your competitors so that's the the bad reason and another bad reason is if you just follow we all know these maturity models which are easily designed in a way that you feel that you are not mature as a company and then someone shows up showing you that others are more mature and then you just work very hard to become more mature and only then find out that by then everyone has moved on and you are still not further ahead compared to before or that you've set the wrong benchmarks in the wrong dimensions. So it should always be a good strategy underlying, a winning strategy underlying the journey. Otherwise, I would highly recommend to never start. And if you just follow the hype, I think that has been in all ages this a, a very bad reason to embark on any transformation journey. And to be better prepared for a digital transformation, for a serious digital transformation, you need to get your finances in order in terms of what you can invest, what you can spend, in terms of your projections as to what your return on, invest, on investment will be. Um, how, tell us a bit about the framework that you describe in the book and how you can organize the finances behind the funding of digital transformations, but then also the, the return that you expect. How do you measure the success of what you've invested in? You know, all, all those different factors. Um, tell us about this framework and, and how, how the framework might help you be more organized and prepared. So consultants love frameworks, as we all know. So my first message would be, it's not about the framework, which is in the book. It's about the key, the key understanding of what I want to show based on all the learnings I've had and based on the research is that digital transformation is about transformation, which means it's an end-to-end -end view which is required. And that's what I try to show in the framework. So it requires a strategy. Sounds very obvious, but you, you wouldn't believe how often I've had discussions where people say we no longer need strategy. It's digital time now and we need to be agile and we need to react. Strategy is of the foreign uh, former time, which no one needs. Um, so that's the first point uh, which needs to be considered and the starting point. The second thing is, I think no one can understand all these factors out there in real time. So you need to look into all what I call the catalysts of the transformation. It, it can be all the technologies, all the ones which are hyped and the ones which will still be hyped in some time to, to come. It's about how the, the, your workforce changes, what the skills they have, the demands they have to work for you, the customer needs which are changing. So all these things which fuel your transformation. And then you have to look into what is the scope of your transformation. That's, that's a key point I always see. 
many transformations actually start at what I call the frontier of the business or in, in adjacent areas where it's easier to show and demonstrate that you can do it. But then once you try to roll back into your core business, which has to be the heart of the transformation at some point in time, that's where then these 70% failure rates often come from. And only then, and that was your question on the measurement, um, when you look into how you get there, are you agile, are you hybrid, and all these things need to be considered, only then you can look into what I call the outcomes. And there, there can be many ways of measuring how digital works. Obviously, in this day, same as always, it doesn't hurt to do business cases. And again, you wouldn't believe how often people say, no, it's not possible, it's digital, it's all exponential, we need different set of KPIs, but it's not true. As you said, at some point in time, some money will need to be spent. And if you act in a corporate environment, as we all know, there need to be proper boundaries in business cases. There might be some and many estimations in these cases, but that's one part. But you can also measure differently. You can measure in qualitative ways, the maturity frameworks we discussed, they have some use in these cases. You can use all these indirect KPIs, um, which more and more can be translated into the financial impact. So net promoter scores, first digital ratios, and we get better and better in understanding what happens when these parameters change to your P&L and your financials. And then you have the financials as something which I strongly believe no big transformation can go without. And the ones I've seen which started without, at some point in time, the CFO had to say, look, stop here. It's no, no longer a pilot, no longer MVP. If we go the full journey, we need to have the full financial envelope defined. We know it will change. We are acting agile in many ways, but we still only have the money which we have. And then you have this black box in between all this happening internally and the value you really generate as a company in terms of market cap and all these things. And that's what I'm measuring in the book. In some digital transformation initiatives um, can last longer periods of time, depending on the size of the organization, the scope of the transformation, the depth of the transformation. Mm -hmm. Over that period of time, the roadmap may need to be altered because of new factors, new competitors, changing market conditions, new unexpected government regulations, or other types of unexpected change that impacts our business. And so it then correspondingly may need us to, uh, may require us to um, augment our digital transformation roadmap, maybe make cutbacks or maybe invest more in one area than the other, reprioritize, and so on. And that can be an ongoing situation depending on how long the initiative is. Um, how do you uh, manage that when it comes to ma um, measuring ROI, measuring other KPIs relevant to ensuring the financial health of your digital transformation, and also in terms of just reporting to stakeholders and allowing them to see whether it's still on track, the element of unexpected change, how does it um, get dealt with when you are trying to formalize how you manage the financial side of a digital transformation? 
I think the first important point in the research is showing that very clearly, and you can see that in the book, is um, that actually for the first, depending on the size of transformation, for a quite long period, the, the, the impact will not be positive. It's a, it's a longer, ta longer, um, um, uh, longer term transformation journey you're on. So the number one thing I'm always recommending is when you do your financials, make sure that you demonstrate to everyone that there will be some period of suffering. And I'm not talking here about some pilot which you, or an initiative which can quickly go ROI positive, I don't know, a robotics process automation. In eight weeks, you, uh, you can define something with a positive ROI, um, but it's then not scalable. So um, you need to talk to anyone involved in the process and make sure that they understand that the benefit will have to wait for some time. And then I think, and that's the, the downside of today's times, you're fully right. You cannot make a five-year plan and, and expect that, that it, it will happen like that. So all the, all the story and the framework I just explained, so the end-to-end -end from strategy um, uh, towards uh, the catalysts um, and then uh, the, the, uh, the reaction mechanism, so how does the process go, the scope, this is more or less running in, in, in a circle in, in much shorter time frames than what we're used to. So you might, after half a year, you might replan um, and then another half year a new competitor comes in, you still might need to replan. That, that's that's the, the curse of today's times and you have to be aware of this and you have to, and that's very important, factor that in your financials. Because what people often do is they just don't have the, the buffer which is needed for these things to actually run towards their final goal. And that's a sad story because we learned over decades from IT transformations, which are much simpler because it's then one technology, ERP or whatever the other technology is, CRM, that there is a fairly high failure rate even for single technology. So it's obvious that it's much higher for, com for combinations of many and people do not factor that in and they do not communicate accordingly. So there's always a, a high time of excitement, I don't know, for the first few months. And then, then everyone feels bad because they see, look, it's not as fast as we thought. And that can be circumvented if, if communicated and measured right from the start. And just don't tell people that you digitally transform in half a year. Maybe uh -huh. some small companies do, but corporates, I've never seen that at scale. And I think the sad stories are not discussed enough in the industry. And I think they should be because it allows us, the community, to learn from others' experiences. Um, but speaking of sad stories, what, what do you do as an organization if you have an investment um, allocated for your digital transformation initiative, you're halfway through it. And for whatever reason, due to changes in the market, due to um, decreased revenue overall, uh, you, you can't continue. Either the, you cannot continue with what you planned, you don't have the funds, or there's perhaps some other failure condition that, um, that you're faced with, maybe some key executives leave the company to move, go to a competitor, whatever the case there, what, how do you manage a situation where you've already invested 
a significant amount, but um, things, circumstances don't allow you to continue. Do you cut your losses and roll back? Do you reprioritize? Um, have you have you seen that type of circumstance? And what what would you advise an organization in that situation? So that happens all the time, and I know that's why you're asking. So um, two things. So number one, I think the from day one when you design a program, you need to install a governance as a management where where people just tell reality. Um, because I think half of the value destruction of these cases can already be prevented if from day one people just talk what's really happening and don't don't hide reality behind, I don't know, uh, PMO reports which show it's all yellow um, and then suddenly it's deep red and then it's exploding. So that's number one. Second, there's no real number for this. Everyone is saying 70% of these transformations fail. And when you look deeper, you find it's usually a subjective answer based on questionnaires, and then it's added up, and then you end up 70, 75. But the number doesn't really matter. It's too much. Um, but if you already know that, these cases, just by by in terms of numbers, they happen very often. And then the decision makers, the ones who are there, they need to know the truth, and then they really need to cut their losses. And it's not always black and white. I've seen it doesn't, if you stop these programs, it's, I think, a very terrible feeling for everyone. But sometimes you just have to, and then you have to restart. Maybe by that time, technologies have evolved and they do a lot. There's better technology. There's a different supplier who can help in different circumstances. So stopping when it's, go it's not going further is not really a bad thing. I think it's bad then to push on and believe that you just need to stick to your journey because you decided some time ago. And it's a very painful thing to do, but it has to be done. And I think mm -hmm. now in nowadays in the geopolitical political crisis and all the other crises we have, we will see many of these situations where you, you just cannot afford to continue just because it's hype. And just because you started it because of a hype, you just need then to decide where really you want to put your money. And that should always be in your future, not, not in your past. Mm -hmm. I suppose in a situation like that, while your competitors are advancing and you're unable to, you might just have to reassess your whole business model and um, determine how and where you can fit in with the resources you have. And then, as you said, reevaluate how a digital transformation, perhaps with an augmented scope, might still be possible. Yes. And I think we see um, that. We will see that now many times. I understand. In, in your book, there's one term that really caught my eye, which I'd like to ask you about. Um, reaction mechanisms. Can you tell us more about that? It's coming from the from the fact that I used the, the chemical reaction analogy for digital transformation. Hmm. So I'm more or less saying, look, you need to do have a design before, like remember at school, before the teacher put the chemical reaction in front of you, he needed to think first how to do it. So you need design and you need a strategy. You need the catalyst. You need the reactant, So which is the scope. 
And then there is a reaction mechanism happening in that process. And that's where a lot of focus is on these times. And that's, are you agile in your process? Are you you hybrid? Do you still go waterfall and because your organization requires it to? That's what I call reaction mechanism. And that has a lot of focus these days, but it's usually not seen in the total context. And that's why I'm always referring back to the total framework because it doesn't help you to be agile, I don't know, in your front-end development if your your back office uh, systems are still running on release trains in waterfall and then it's like a wave crashing a wall and then it's never working. So it needs to be agile end-to-end for these things or it needs to be a very clever hybrid process. So the reaction mechanism is really key to make things work. Even with the best technologies will never happen if you don't get that under control. Hmm. That's really, so do you, you have predefined reaction mechanisms that basically act as a toolkit for organizations to draw upon? Nothing can be predefined. It all has to fit to the strategy, as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. There might be some organizations, depending on their complexity and how many catalysts, etc., are, are at play, where you just cannot afford to be fully agile because you ha- just have some elements in your model which need to still run in waterfall and be under control. There might be smaller firms who can actually shift totally to this new model, which, as we all know, is very exciting once it's running properly. Um, but all that doesn't make any sense if you don't know where it's running. And that's the key point. I think the, 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 the worst thing you can do in any digital transformation, I believe, is believing in simple recipes and you can just copy best practice from someone else and believe then you are done. That's actually never working in my experience. And you mentioned smaller firms. You have a chapter dedicated mm-hmm. to that as well. Um, what is a good strategy from a financial perspective? for a smaller firm to not just digitally transform, but to be um, disruptive in a market in which it may be competing with larger firms. Uh, is th- what advice would you give a small firm with those types of ambitions? You, you know what, in, in terms of digital transformation, the, the interesting thing is that um, the, the initial thought should be that for, for them, it's so much easier because they they do not have all these complexities and Mm -hmm. all these different elements which need to fit together. Maybe they just have less products, they have less legacy systems, et cetera. So in an ideal world, you could say, look, if you design your end-to-end transformation the right way, you should easily overtake the big guys. But what we actually see very often um, is that the downside of all this is that much quicker the transformation covers your whole firm which is an objective which the big ones really would love to achieve at some point in time but then you still end up in this i don't know 70 percent failure rate problem and obviously it's a much bigger issue for you as a small firm if if your overall model fails versus a another firm which can just experiment i don't know in one division or across divisions in some function areas, etc. So my recommendation really is if you're small, 
First, make sure that, that you have your risk covered. Second, um, understand that some of the things which you have to do are not by definition cheaper just because you're smaller. We all know a small firm with a product portfolio more or less has the same processes, the same complexities can happen as the big firms and it can hurt them much more when they fail. But they have a great chance um, overtaking the big guys. But the data I've looked into is not really favoring small firms at all times. So one potential advantage is improved time to market due to a simpler and smaller scope um, for the digital transformation they may under, need to undergo. So they yes. might just be able to get key products or services digitally enabled, digitally enhanced to market faster, and perhaps see that as an opportunity to be disruptive sooner and to leverage that into some growth. Yes, but then we sit, then we come back to my key point that you need a strategy first. So um, the, the, the strategy you define needs to enable you to, to beat the big guys. And digital transformation can be a tool to, to reach that goal, but it's likely not the only one. So it doesn't help if your products suck, to put it very bluntly. <laughs> it doesn't help you to digitally transform your processes. If, if, if the customers that don't like your brand as much as the bigger guy's brand, if you don't have the advertising power. So you need to find something, you need to pick your battles and you need to find your niche where you can win against the competitors and not just play with them in the game where they will win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting because it's basically looking at digital transformation as an opportunity that may give you a potential um, window in which you can establish something, you can introduce something, you can be disruptive in a market where, where traditionally you would have had no opening to do so. Yes. It, if, if you're strategic, if you're tactical, if you're smart about it, you do your research. As you mentioned, many of the larger organizations move slower are slower to change internally and then slower to change to actually carry out the transformation. So the agility, the responsiveness a smaller firm may have could be a key to being disruptive and, and being more successful than following traditional approaches. So that's, that's actually really interesting insight. Very true. Yes. Um, so there are many topics you cover in in your book and i'm hoping to have you come back um sometime to explore those in more detail because i think this is very important it's very important to get awareness of this information out there but it's also important to broaden the understanding of these different topics so that they're not just limited to key members of of a of an organization but so that there's a um, recognition of all these financial um, impacts and financial considerations so that despite the best efforts, despite the best technologies, um, you're not caught off guard. You have everything in your favor in terms of the funding, the measuring of financial return and the ultimate ROI 
let, let me just conclude, Tim, by asking you, um, what are some of the key lessons learned? What are some of the key pieces of advice that you would like to share with those either in the midst of a digital transformation, with those planning a digital transformation or considering it from a financial perspective, from a financial planning perspective, from a financial management perspective, um, what are some of the, the key lessons learned that you'd like to share um, just to give those who are part of that decision-making uh, a starting point in terms of insights that you can provide? That's an easy question, hard to answer, but I, I try. So number one, uh, never do a financial plan if there's no strategy behind. Sounds easy, but you don't see that very often. You, you just, you need a clear strategic reason for embarking on the journey. Second, if you look into the financials, look at them end to end, not just some pilots and pockets, but think about all the elements we discussed and make them that make sure that they are reflected into your financials overall. And the third thing is understand from day one and that what we also discussed is that this is a, a dynamic financial model because many things will change over time and um, you need to adjust and con constantly reevaluate what you're doing. And the fourth thing is don't expect your shareholders to appreciate what you are doing from day one until they see results and that would take time. Cool. Very interesting. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to speak here today about this important new book. And I look forward to an opportunity to further get into the details of this with you in the future. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for the invitation and looking forward to that as well. Thank you for listening. Follow Thomas on LinkedIn 